0: But anyways, welcome to Hip and Humble. I'm Aram. And I'm Mom. And we talk about all things antique and collectibles. Yep. Alright, and today we are getting into a new series on Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving is coming and we wanted to talk about it. Or at least Absolutely. the things things that people have used throughout history to celebrate Thanksgiving. And before we get talking about that, we want to thank our sponsors, Hip and Humble Antiques LLC. We've got two locations, one in Bethany, Oklahoma, just outside of Oklahoma City at Rink Gallery, and one in downtown Fredericksburg, Virginia at Oldies with Goodies. And for those of you not all about driving or for those of you who like to shop online, check out our Etsy store, Hip and Humble Antiques. Also, we want to thank the WGSN DB Going Solo Network. Hello, guys. Thank you. Hello, hello. All right, you guys are awesome. This network is awesome. We're so excited you're here, and we hope you guys have fun.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right,
1: because it's almost Turkey Day. It's almost
0: Turkey Day, and there's gobble, lots, gobble, gobble. lots, I actually and bought lots two turkeys. I bought
1: my them. turkeys today.
0: Yes. Yeah, I did.
1: It. I did. You didn't buy turkeys. I did. Yeah, you're right. He just—I didn't think you carried him from the car, did you? I did carry them from oh, the, the car. Did you carry the car? Yes. So that was his contribution. Yeah. So I, I carried the turkeys in. Yep, mm-hmm. I'm not going out and killing a turkey, and I just got the turkey breast. So yeah, I am cheating. But yeah.
0: yeah, well, we like ham more, anyways.
1: We do like ham more, but yeah, and I have a ham, but I and stuck so get in the freezer, and we'll have turkey.
0: Mm. All right, fair well, enough. Well,
1: you know, I mean, seriously, do I need to cook twenty pounds of meat? <laughs>
0: Probably not. <laughs>
1: I mean, on in all honesty, my kiddos, they they want. They eat the turkey or the ham because they feel like they have to, <laughs> and they that they eat that so that they can get to the sweet potatoes.
0: And the pies. And the pies. And the cookies. Yep. And the cake.
1: That's the only reason that they eat the other food is to get to the sugar.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what Thanksgiving is about is the sugar, right?
1: Well, and you guys, <laughs> yeah. To have it three boys – the world revolves around food.
0: This this is I true. Could, I
1: mean, you could get them to do anything if you had food. Teaching them math. The only reason my middle son can even count is because there were M and M's involved.
0: Yeah, my uh, my my new mother has uh re- has relayed the fact that apparently I have two stomachs. She's like, I don't understand how you eat so much. So well, I do. I do.
1: Okay, <laughs> I got to tell this little story because you said two stomachs, <laughs> but. My my middle son, we were going over this lesson on similes, so things that are similar.
0: Oh, this so is a good one. <laughs> you,
1: would, you know, you would go through, and there's there's little sayings that you know pretty much I want to say are universal, I guess. Yeah, uh, somewhat. You know, to kind of describe things because you can go, you know, he's that that girl is pretty as a picture.
0: Right, or cute as a button.
1: Cute as a button. Well. I gave Kale one and I said, What's that? say? Um, hungry as a, and of course, most of us would say lion
0: or, or hippo. tiger
1: or hippo. But Kale sat there for a minute and he said, Cow. <laughs> and I sat there for a minute going, Cow? <laughs> like, you know, and all these things run through a mother's mind of how did I fail in life? What, how do, you know, what did I do? I don't understand. Where did I go wrong? And so I said, okay, well, why a cow? He said, well, because they have four stomachs. And I thought, well, which is true. Apparently, all the rest of us are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and this child apparently can see all the stuff. So, I don't know. That was my cute story, but yeah.
0: Well, I, I just – I'm always amazed at some of the stories I hear parents tell about things their kids have said. Like, uh, why it's a
1: great w- way to see the world.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, kids see the world in a very different way.
1: Yeah, they really do. But if you want to change your perspective in life, well, I would say have a kid. But some people out there really just shouldn't have them.
0: But, <laughs> this is true. Honestly,
1: it you know, we want to change your perspective of life, be around a kid for a while because – they bring it back to reality. They, mm-hmm. they they don't they don't have any of the, of the socio political or the
0: they don't have biases no or bias. judgments or nope, wealth of experience or a jaded experience they have
1: or lack of experience but you think you have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't have any of those restrictions. Nothing restricts a kiddo.
0: Yeah. And
1: they will tell it like it is and tell tell say it like they see it. Yeah. And that's. It's very humbling, and we need it.
0: Absolutely.
1: We need babies.
0: And kids love kids. We, we've been talking a lot about games, but um, I think we're so focused on them because the games have a special way of bringing people together, making alliances and friends out of those who otherwise would beat each other's throats, which definitely reminds me that Thanksgiving is afoot. For those of you in the U.S., you know that Thanksgiving is a celebration held in remembrance of the Plymouth colonists sharing the autumn harvest feast with the Wampanoag Native Americans. Now, of course, there are a lot of conflicting views and a lot of sad history that followed this day, but the principle of giving thanks is an altogether lovely and enduring sentiment. For the rest of this month, we are going to be talking about all things antique that people have used in the past to celebrate or make Thanksgiving possible.
1: Well, while it is certainly true that Thanksgiving as we know it today would not have existed were it not for the sailing of a particular ship called the Mayflower. Well, the ships in the 1600s looked a little bit different than the luxury liner ships that we see today. Nautical antiques from this time period are incredibly rare because saltwater... Sucks.
0: It's not a very it, forgiving liquid.
1: No, it, it does not preserve wood.
0: <laughs> no, no, it really doesn't.
1: And most of the ships at this time were pretty much, you know, wood.
0: Right. They had some metal pieces, but they yeah. they were definitely, as a general rule, formed out of wood because that was the most buoyant uh, material that people had at their disposal.
1: That's true. Well... If you've ever been to Stockholm, which we were very blessed to be able to go to Stockholm uh, several years ago, take the time, for goodness sakes, and go go to the Vasa Museum. Oh, my goodness. <S-A>, Museum. Beautiful. The Vasa was shipwrecked just after coming out of the shipyards in 1628, just a few decades before the Mayflower landed. The reason why the ship is so well preserved is because the ship was wrecked so close to shore. So today, well, it was wrecked so close to shore, so it really never sailed.
0: Yes, I mean it. It, it got out of the shipyards and then sank right there. Yeah, you know, so- it, basically, it, it had its uh, its its coronation day. I'm I am uh, I'm a sailor, so I'm I'm really uh, kicking myself right not right now for not knowing the correct term. For whenever uh, a boat first hits water again, um, but it, it's a uh, it's first day of sailing, it's coronation day. It as soon as it got into the harbor, it sank.
1: And,
0: <laughs> you know, it was it was supposed to be a warship, and it was a. I mean, it still is a beautiful ship.
1: It is a beautiful ship. And beautiful. You go into it's that museum; huge. it is massive. Huge, and you know, you talk about being in these um, hermetically. Uh, controlled rooms. So where you kind of have to go through an airlock and then usually there's small rooms that you'll find in libraries Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Well, this ship is in a hermetically controlled mammoth building. Yes. And you know, you have to go through airlocks and whatnot to get in there to it, but it truly is incredibly fascinating. Oh yeah. Uh, it, It just, it just is. And so they do have people that come through and kind of work on repairing the boat and stuff, but the repairs, Preserving the boat. Well, yeah, preserving the boat. But the different repairs and whatnot that they make, they do it in a different color wood. So that way you can always tell what was the original and then what was repaired or, you know, preserved or whatever. Right. So I, I appreciate that because, you know, dealing with antiques and stuff a lot, um, you'll, Look at antique, and then you kind of figure out, okay, how can I repair this antique and kind of hide what? I, not really. I mean, you're not trying to be deceptive, but you know, hide kind of the boo boos.
0: Well, you want to blend it, and you you want you want, you want the in. integrity of the piece to remain, right?
1: But you want it to be beautiful, also. You
0: want it to be so functional. There's too. a
1: fine line there, right? right? And so, I think that they they've walked that fine line, and I think that they the way that they have preserved it are continuing to preserve it. Um, is really, really great. I think it's very,
0: very nice. Well, it's incredible, you know, and the, just the, the body of knowledge that we've gained from that piece of history, that, that perspective, that historical perspective that was gained from being able to take that ship out of water and study it and look at, you know, the ingenuity that they used, where everything was placed on the ship, the way that the lines were set up, Mm -hmm. you know, where the, the, where, how the rudder was controlled. I mean, those things have been passed on, and those were those were common knowledge. But actually being able to see it and where it was placed and how things were used, you know, the the well, captain's stateroom and the
1: beauty of it too. Oh,
0: well, the the absolute you know, the, craftsmanship, the
1: carving of the lady at the front of the ship, and just you know. Yeah, the car. I mean, just the craftsmanship and how well it really was. Even though it sank, I mean, even
0: though it did, it, it wasn't exactly, even though it wasn't the uh, the gem of the fleet, yeah, it, it was Apparently still there was
1: a leak somewhere. Yeah,
0: it was still beautiful.
1: But it it really was. I mean, it's you you just don't see that kind of of craftsmanship. Yeah. You know, especially uh, at something least that at least on fleet.
0: an industrial scale.
1: Well, and they, you know this—that's what I kind of look at. Those those ships were were. Yeah, they were industrial and they were
0: right, they war, were they, they were, were war machines. They were they were built they right. were built by governments to to conquer others. To
1: find, you're never going to find, you know, a beautifully hand carved warship in anywhere I think in, in the world. Everything's, no. you know, metal and blah blah blah. But. Yeah,
0: well, it's I mean they're they're purpose built and they're they're built by machines, they're industrious. It, I mean, men Obviously still work in the process and the welding and so on and so forth, but a lot, you know, a lot of the tools that are used nowadays have been developed over this period of the, you know, the entirety of human history to help us to build the most efficient Uh, Machines possible, especially when it comes to warring machines and warboats, battleships and carriers and things that, you know, submarines and things like that. Well,
1: and that's it. They're incredibly efficient. And they're purpose built. They are. They're purpose built. And I think that these were to an extent too, but I think that the artistic part, the artistic details of the, of those ships, of the Vasa and a lot of, well, any of the older ships, Yes, they were built for war. Yes, they were most likely are going to be destroyed, but somebody took the time to really put some art into it, you know, put well, an artistic slant into it.
0: The other perspective too was that back then those ships were representation of that government. Yeah. And you know, now we look at ships and they, you know, our ships now are still representations of governments. I mean, a carrier is the is huge. It's a floating city. And that you know, our Country, we have more of them than any other country in Good. the world, well, and that is a status symbol. That is a that is a, a, a level of prowess. But back then, they wanted to show that prowess and that status by their craftsmanship. By well, the they
1: did by and, the
0: intimate details in and, all of their well, pe- ships. If you
1: think about, if you, I mean, think about how we do today. The United States is a melting pot, right? So we do not have any one culture. Where you look at Stockholm and Sweden. That is a very defined culture.
0: It's a homogenous culture, absolutely. Yeah, very
1: defined. So, you know, they're, the, the different uh, carvings on the boat or, or whatnot were really more Nordic and more, you know, their culture. Right. Whereas even if we were going to build a ship in the United States now, I mean, I would be really pretty hard-pressed to find a pattern or, you know, any kind of symbol, honestly – that would encompass the entire United States, except for the Eagle. I mean, the Eagle.
0: The well, we Lord. have we have the different representations. I mean, also, it, you know, we're getting a little off topic here, but looking at the the planes in World War II and in Vietnam, you had the different flight crews that would paint, you know, the the painted ladies, the pinup girls, and stuff on the side of their planes. Sure. So that you know, there was there there was there has always been an inter- intermixing of art and war. Right, right. You know, but especially even nowadays, there are still, you know, different, you know, there's squadron patches and so on and so forth that are impressive yeah. and, and very representative of of those, of those specific groups of people but within I mean, the when forces. I look,
1: when I look at uh, patches and whatnot, like from your dad's, um, well, another just little side note, at, off at Air Force Base, they have a maps room and probably one of the coolest places I've been. But they have a maps room, and so every squadron pilot plane that lands there, um, in addition to having your uh, patches and stuff, they have stickers. So they have stickers from all these different planes, eras. I don't even know how far back they go, but yeah. they were pretty cool.
0: It a, it's an impressive room. So However,
1: it's still a contained part of the United States. You know, Dad's patch is not gonna, is not representative of the entire United States. It's representative of that particular squadron and stuff. Whereas, like the Vasa and stuff, when I look at the just look at it, I can see the people.
0: Right. You know. Well, that's that's that's, that's, what that's I mean. what, yeah, and that's what we're saying that the, back then the the ships were representative of the culture, and they were.
1: And I will say the nose art on those airplanes in World War II and stuff. I love them. Beautiful. I understand that they're naked girls and everybody has a thing or whatever. They're great art. I mean, yeah. honestly, they're great art. However, that is a time frame. Yeah. You know, that particular art form or whatever, it it really designates that particular time.
0: Well, I mean, art is a depiction of But it the doesn't time. say
1: it doesn't say the entirety of the United States.
0: No, no, no. It says, well, it's a, it's a, it's a subsect of, you know, it's a right. subsect. It's it that says, culture.
1: This is Bob's wish. I had this girl as a girlfriend <laughs> picture.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, back to shipbuilding and a lot of the antiques that we want to talk about in here.
1: Well, the we're hist- going to be talking about the primitive tools, right? And the ingenuity that that has been used in the shipping industry ever since the Europeans first broke bread with the Native Americans.
0: Yep, and as the history of so many technology begins, so does shipbuilding in ancient Egypt. Yeah, there's historical evidence to suggest that the Egyptians began assembling planks of wood into ships as early as 3100 B.C. Yeah, so there's pottery as old as 4000 B.C. that shows the designs of early boats. the And the oldest boats that have actually been found on the earth... To, de- to date, were discovered in 1991 and they are the Abydos boats. That,
1: that, I got married in 1991.
0: I was not born in 1991. No, you were not. I was born in 92.
1: Yeah, that's a whole nother show.
0: <laughs> oh, goodness. So, those boats, <laughs> those boats were found next to the map. Just picturing that that whole conversation makes me laugh but there the those boats were found next to a massive mud brick structure believed to have belonged to the second dynasty pharaoh Kaskahemwe.
1: Holy crap, that's a long name.
0: Mhm. Yeah. It uh it, it's it's I don't a doozy. You
1: said that right, but it looks like it's right.
0: Kaskahemway Okay. That's 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 what I'm going with. And for those of you at home, uh it's K H A S E K H E M W Y. So oh, if you want to if you want if you want to critique my pronunciation, you go right on ahead. There's
1: a lot of letters. <laughs> in that was there. the best
0: I could come up with phonetically. <laughs> <laughs> These boats were buried ceremonially and thus were pretty well preserved. The uh, the prows were pointed towards the Nile and at the time they were believed to ferry the ferry the pharaoh into the afterlife. Yeah. Yeah, so what was interesting about these boats is the the way that they were built and the way that they were built actually translated or, or fought, preceded the Egyptian empire well into um well, into the Roman Empire. But uh, the boats were built using the ancient technique of the mortise and tenon joint. So this joint is actually features the end of one plank being shaved to fit into the hole made into the falling plank.
1: I wonder where we have seen that in antique furniture.
0: Oh, we might have maybe. talked about this before. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, start from the beginning of our episodes and you will find out.
1: That's right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have a little thing for joinery. I like
0: joints it. Joints are awesome. And the joints in shipbuilding and spe- specifically are nothing short of an artistry in they craftsmanship. They really ships.
1: are. They really, really
0: Shipbuilding are. Is, is beautiful. It, it really – even today, even with all of the – uh, advances that have been made in the Industrial Revolution and the tools that w- that have been used. Seeing a ship being built is absolutely gorgeous.
1: What's well, fascinating? It
0: is fascinating because they they're purpose built. They've always been purpose built, but there is a level of artistry and craftsmanship that has to go into them because to be right and to be to be seaworthy, ships have to be built in a certain way. They have to have. Such, they have to be so rigid and tough because the sea is not forgiving. Nope. It is certainly not forgiving.
1: Nope. It really doesn't care if you no. had a bad day or not. You better have that joint right.
0: Mm hmm. So back then they used rope to lash together plank, rope to lash together the planks called weaving. They would weave the planks together. They would weave the rope between the planks to fit them together and they would to
1: seal uh, them up. Yeah,
0: to seal them up. But to seal them up, no, they used grass or reeds, and they stuffed between the planks, yeah. and they would use that to seal the seams. So the oldest ship, however, it, that was found among the Abydos boats was 75 feet long, and it dated to around 3,000 B.C. And that boat actually is believed to have belonged to another pharaoh, as Caskahemwe reigned much later than this.
1: But you know, that, that's kind of interesting, though, that they would use grass or reeds you know to seal in between the cracks and stuff
0: well they use we, what they had
1: well yeah but i mean grass will disintegrate as well reeds and whatnot eventually i mean it's they're meant to you know go back into the earth
0: right but uh, so, the mud huts that they used and yeah, uh, adding yeah. the grass to it and the way that they heated the mud
1: oh that's true you know yeah. that
0: that you that acted as a cement and well, yeah. it, it definitely deteriorated of course but sure. but that was the the height of the
1: but I wonder ingenuity how heavy tech- that was
0: oh i'm sure it was incredibly heavy yeah See, and that
1: always fascinates me that these ships can be so big and heavy mm-hmm. that they float
0: Yes. The buoyancy is an incredible thing. And we will talk more about that when we come back.
1: Hi, my name is Kaylin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Tea Time Thoughts. Do you ever wish you could learn more about history, books, music, art, and culture, but you just don't know where to start? I totally feel your pain. Learning about all these things can be so overwhelming. Well, I want to change all of that for you. In my podcast, Tea Time Thoughts, I'll show you just how fun it all can be. In the time it takes to have a cup of tea, I'm going to teach you everything from the French Revolution to the Black Plague, Mozart to Broadway musicals, Da Vinci to Robert Frost, Ancient Egypt to Queen Elizabeth II, and more. You can stream Tea Time Thoughts wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So what are you waiting for? Put the kettle on and listen to Tea Time Thoughts today.
0: Welcome, welcome back to Hip and Humble Antiques. I'm still Aram. And I'm still Mom. And we are still sponsored by Hip and Humble Antiques, LLC. Please follow us on hip and humble – or sorry, hipn.humble on Instagram. That's Humble on Instagram. Also, check out our Facebook pages, Hip and Humble Antiques and Changing Seasons, and um, Go ahead and make a comment, follow a like, do all the cool things, let us know what you want to hear or what you want to see in our shops and we will do our best to talk about it and provide it for you. We are always on there, or I'm always on there. I'm always replying to stuff and thanking everybody for their uh, likes. So please follow us, like us, do all that stuff. If you really like us and you want to support what we do, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash hip and humble, and give us a contribution. And we're going to start making videos and doing cool stuff for all our Patreon subscribers as as soon as we get some.
1: Well, yeah, that means I'll have to be dressed. Yeah, we'll have to, to get videos. we'll have to
0: get dressed when we start doing videos. Yep. Except point. for when I do my scare videos, of course.
1: Scare video. Yeah. What is scare video? That's
0: when I scare you. Take a video.
1: Really? <laughs> no.
0: No, you don't want to do that. No. I'm shocked. No, but mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, we, we are also want we also want to say thank you to the WGSN DB Going Solo Network. Hello.
1: Hello and thank you.
0: Thank you guys so much. We're so excited to have you here. We're so excited to be a part of this wonderful amazing network. Absolutely. And we hope you guys have fun. And we are talking today about shipbuilding. And we are relating it to the Mayflower and how it, it and its influence on Thanksgiving.
1: And now the Mayflower replica, though, is not too far from us down in Jamestown.
0: Yes, and they, it is they impressive. They do have a
1: wonderful museum down there. Absolutely. That has a replica of James, of the, James the Mayflower and the Nina and Santa Maria mm-hmm. that you can go on. But the real Jamestown is actually a national park. It's a little ways down the road. And, and it's gorgeous. It really is. It's very, very interesting. They've, I think the last time we were there, which has been many years – they were still doing archaeological digs. Now, the Mayflower is not there at the real Jamestown because I'm sure it's – I don't even know what happened to it. I guess they
0: it's, used the parts. They, they used the wood to build Yeah, they used the wood something. to build houses and things like that.
1: Yeah, well, got to use what you got. Yep. So, but yeah, that that's pretty interesting. If you get a chance, it's down in Williamsburg. And um, go to the Jamestown Museum and the, see all the replica stuff, and
0: yeah, and then it, go down
1: and see the real Jamestown.
0: Yeah, well, and the Jamestown Museum is an incredible too because they oh. have they have period actors there that <sighs> that uh, they have like blacksmiths and different people that would have worked or been in the colony according to the best well, our best yeah, historical guesses.
1: Yeah. And the ones in the I mean, you go to the Jamestown Village there um and whatnot, but then also in Williamsburg itself, right, has got some wonderful period actors also. So I mean, you can kind of continue the entire colonial experience.
0: Absolutely. And before we left, we were talking about ancient Egypt and their contributions to shipbuilding, and then came the Romans.
1: The Romans. Dun
0: dun dun.
1: They're always kind of a little intimidating, aren't they?
0: Romans are intimidating. I, think I
1: because they like put people in the Colosseum with lions, and
0: they were brutal. Yeah,
1: I think they really were. They're they were
0: like, brutal. Not only were they brutal, they they were they were such a conquering force. They would take. So I, I recently watched Barbarians on Netflix, which is a fantastic historical depiction of the Roman Empire fighting the Germanic tribes. And of course we know the end of the story, you know, the Germanic tribes ended up losing, but they put up an impressive fight and they did um, fight off the Romans for a considerable, or, uh, for quite a few years. Um, but before they did that, the Romans would go in and they would take the children, the firstborn children, sons of the people in those tribes, and then they would take them back to Rome, educate them in Rome, and then send them back out to fight their own people. Yeah. Yeah. And what was cra- crazy and like how hierarchical and classist their society was, is those people would come to Rome and they would be raised by Roman families they would have a Roman father and mother but their Roman father and mother would disown them basically saying that they're they're still barbarians by blood oh. mm-hmm. so these people you know they would come in and they would be Roman citi- citizens because you know taken from birth being Romans as children but they were discriminated against you know oppressed you know, all the way through the entirety of their life even though they were Roman citizens Rome itself didn't accept them. And I think that that elitist culture is why their culture, in particular, was so interesting, so cutthroat, so brutal, and so violent.
1: It was, but mm. they, on the other hand, were also some great inventors.
0: They we were, I mean, their the aqueducts, the aqueducts, just, their philosophies. Well, a lot, a lot of human achievement has been gained through extreme brutality. hardship, hardship, and brutality. Yeah, I mean, the Egyptian pyramids were built on the backs of the Jewish slaves. It's true, you know. A lot of the greatest achievements in human history have been built over the oppression of on, on top of the oppression of others. That's true, and uh, that's a sad that's a sad reality.
1: It is a sad reality. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. but you know, no matter how long you look at the past, it's not going to change.
1: Well, I mean, it, yeah, and it's you know, it still even you know comes up today because you look at even uh, World War II and Hitler. Right. Uh, I mean, as sad as it is, there were a lot of. Inventions that came out of that era.
0: Well, a um, lot of a lot of scientific discoveries, a lot of, a lot of medical discoveries that, that came was out of that. Discovered brutally. Yes, oh, horribly, I mean, horribly,
1: horrible, horrible way that they got it. But- I mean, the,
0: the there was the doctor that worked under Himmler. That they called uh, the child doctor, and he would look for twins. Doctor. Yes. Yeah, he would look for twins, and he would cut the arm off of one twin, twin to see if it affected the other, and mm-hmm. watch them grow up, or he would kill one to see how the other effect was affected. And you know, as brutal and violent as that was, there was so much that so much, so many observations and so many things scientifically and medically that were learned through it.
1: I think that you know it goes back to, and
0: like, this is uh, not a condolence, and this is not no. a praise. This is oh no, this is a reflection, and it's not even a happy one. I'm not. No, it's not a happy one. I'm, no, not, not, I'm, happy one I'm not even. I'm not trying to bring light to these facts. I'm just saying no. that they, they 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 are a reality, a sad reality.
1: But I, you know, I think that um, God will use whatever He's got. And it doesn't matter if it's a good person or a bad person.
0: Yes, so I don't. I mean, I, I don't.
1: I do think that God will use whatever circumstance, um, well, for His glory. But I think that it. I think that uh, He can use anything. Well, yeah, can bring you know can bring something good out of it because it's brutal. I mean, and just sickening, absolutely sickening, as. As these people's deaths were, because they were just slowly being killed. Right. Um, you know, I think a good way to remember them is they they were sacrificed for uh, for the rest of us. I mean, through a lot of the horrible things that they went through, you know, we have gained a lot of insight.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's definitely one thing. That's definitely I a one. I think that insight, that's a positive. That's a positive way to look at one of the worst atrocities well, in, in human history. And you I know, think
1: you try to have to look. You know. It's one of those. Well, you have to move, you have to move on from it because it's what was done to them is just, it's beyond my understanding.
0: Right. Well, you you have to, you have to be able to move on from it to be able to progress as a society and as a culture. I think that that's, that's one of the, what's one of the things about history that, that, uh, that I, I really strive to enlighten or, or. Our strive to bring light to is that understanding these atrocities and seeing the quote unquote benefits that they brought to society doesn't diminish the astounding atrocity that they were, and it doesn't mean that these atrocities were good in any way. It just means that people and humanity endured. And
1: well, I think I think when you look back at just atrocities of, of humans and cultures and stuff. The further back you go, the less we're attached to it. Right. So, I mean, there are still people today that were in concentration camps. Right. That, you know, that's still very fresh. Yes. Very, very fresh versus, you know, going back to the days of Pharaoh and the right. Egyptians being slaves and the, you know, the Jews being slaves. The yeah. Jews, sorry, the Jews being slaves and building pyramids and all that kind of stuff. That it, that was horrible, and that was was probably just as disgusting as
0: if not more. I if mean, not
1: more. I, I mean, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, compare, I, we're not we're not
0: comparing atrocities here, but no.
1: But I mean, I would say that they're probably equal in their in the atrocity in their
0: despair. Yeah, well, I mean, another but way to we're look not
1: as attached to that one, so we yes. kind of look at we look at the pyramids now as these beautiful. Really fascinating
0: testaments to the glory of an ancient civilization, but the glory that that ancient civilization, or the glory that was per, protruded from that ancient civilization, is one that came out of sacrifice and brutality.
1: Absolutely, you know.
0: And another way to look at it is is that there's no progression without struggle. There's no joy without pain you know that 50 cent has a line and uh many men where he says joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain and that is true and i i I, I hate to quote a rapper and but uh but that's a great verse
1: well i know one of i think it might have been my youngest
0: said one I time don't why quote, can't we have- i don't hate, i don't hate to quote a rapper huh? go on
1: whatever but I think it was my youngest. At one time, he's like, "Mom, why can't why can't every day be Christmas?" <laughs> and it's like, "Well, if every day was Christmas, it, Christmas would never be special." That's true. So yeah. I don't know. I I think that every person around the world is blessed to be here today.
0: Absolutely, and that's and that's, and that's something are, that's something are, that we should be thankful for.
1: There are atrocities still going on. I mean today, just horrible,
0: unspeakable, atrocities. unspeakable atrocities. And, and, and I, the thing I, is, is I they're, they're, they're overlooked because of the political. progression. Well, not, 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 even just political, but it, the from an anthropomorphic perspective, or excuse me, anthropological perspective, as societies have progressed and as culture has progressed, they're ideas of problems have become more global or more self-sacrificing or, or self-sabotaging really
1: well but i mean there's still slavery going on that's, today. What, was, that's what i'm still saying so much going on and i re- i mean you know i guess all of us including myself we're we're all to blame for not getting off our rear ends and doing something i mean it's it's easy to talk about something it's hard to to go do it
0: right and another thing you know something i said i was talking about in our last episode is it's easy to despise the past oh yeah it's easy to despise the past because it's already happened you can already see it you can sit and think about it all day and you can critique find a 100 a 100 new critiques but are you really doing anything to help the present
1: yeah you know
0: that's Absolutely. that's that's the question you need to ask like yes yes all All of the figures throughout history that have been renowned as discoverers or uh, conquerors or A, B, C, D, G, they all were people. They all had faults. Some of them were terrible people.
1: Well, you know, I think that's a good point is they – most of them – well, a lot of them were horrible people. Horrible,
0: horrible people. But they were
1: still put on a pedestal. Now, people today – they and I do think this runs way in the other way. Today it seems like people are always competing on who has the the best or the, you know had the worst life and and how you know what is their sob story of how they got to here and there and the other where and the, and those people are all are are, are are our heroes. But uh, I do think you know I look at people like uh, Dr. Carson Ben Carson that came from absolutely nothing and he overcame it but and i've listened to ben uh, mr carson talk before and you know it's funny He's, he doesn't dwell on where he came from
0: no he lives in the present he lives you know. in the
1: present and i i think that is just such a testament to everybody you know hey yeah we all have a we all have something in our lives something tragic happened somewhere
0: right you know, and, and the thing is, is your pain doesn't make you better or worse than anyone else. Like right. just because you've experienced something that someone else has doesn't mean that you are better or worse than them. You know, everybody has pain. You know, there, there's so many different positive things, positive sentiments going out nowadays to say, you know, treat everyone well because you don't understand what anyone's going through. And yeah, your, your life, your life is hard. It is. Your life is hard. My life is hard. Everybody's life is hard because life in general is not easy and your life may be harder you know and and that's granted but that doesn't mean that my pain is any less you know well, that- but
1: i think that like with with dr carson and and other people even um our priest father vince he's had had a prostate cancer i never knew the man had prostate cancer he doesn't dwell on it he doesn't wear a sign on his head he doesn't you know i guess it's wherever your focus is you know if you're focused on moving forward or being the best that you can be in this this one moment or this time. I, you know, I respect that.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I definitely do. I mean, it's, it, there are just different people out there that have been some, through some horrible things, but they absolutely don't sit and dwell on it. They don't dwell on it. They move forward. And I, I totally respect that very much. So
0: absolutely
1: very, very much. So
0: you're absolutely right. But, we are way off topic.
1: Yes, we're way off topic. We what are. Aram
0: does to me. Yeah, it's all my fault, of it course. Is. Yeah. Today. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't really talked too much about shipbuilding, and uh, we didn't get to Rome and everything. But we are we're close to out of time. Are we? Yeah. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. Aram gets gets me going. I guess. Mm. Well, I give you. A, I'll give, I want to give you guys a short rundown on, on some of the other countries that contributed. So, the the Romans they they built they built some really interesting ships. They used the mortise and tenon method, um, but they their most interesting or most significant contribution to shipbuilding was their method of building. So, though before then people the peoples would build the inside of the ship and then the outside of the ship, because it was easier to build a hole to fit around the ship than it was to build the hole or build things inside the ship. But the Romans did it the opposite way. Interesting to note that the Romans were not a seafaring people. They, they would Rome actually didn't consider sailing to be Roman. They, uh, they adopted sailing from all of the countries that they conquered and they used the techniques the, – an amalgamation of the techniques that they gathered from a lot of the different countries that they conquered. They also
1: – So it's like stealing intelligence.
0: Pretty much. They also didn't ever consider the Roman Navy as its own branch of the military. Yeah. So they were never an autonomous branch. Well. After, after Rome, or actually during Rome, the, another one of the cultures that had one, the most significant impact on shipbuilding would be the Nordic countries. The Nords they split logs and they used simple hand tools like axes and um carving or carving knives and things like that to shave the hole using and they used something called the clinker method. The clinker method meant that there were two sides of the hole that came down to a single joint in the middle middle at the bottom of the hole. This made their ships a lot stronger and more maneuver more maneuverable in the water. By the 15th century, they used a carvel-built hull, which was similar to the clinker method. However, instead of starting with the hull, it began with the skeleton of the ship. And this allowed them to build bigger ships for transporting large numbers of people because up to that point, they had mostly just built warring ships, very very small, fast boats that they could take long distances and use for war. And they were very strong, very buoyant, so they could mount large weapons on them. And the wooden construction of small ships like these, built by the Nords, were actually carried out. the The method that they used to build those ships was carried out throughout Northern Europe and all the way into Scotland as late as the 1980s. Uh, the Native Americans, or another another culture that co- had a big influence on shipbuilding or boat building, but what they did is they would hollow out logs. The tools and that's that they really neat. yeah it was really really neat. The tools that they used were actually stone tools, so they would use stone axes and they would they would basically chop into the log and and uh, and scrape like it out. And they would make canoes, and because it was made out of one single piece, these were very seaworthy. They could go out into the open ocean on these, and they would survive, and the boat would survive. Um, the an but interesting they were
1: like the size of canoes. So, I mean these these were not. They were not War huge. Ships,
0: no, they, they weren't were. warships or anything. They were
1: mostly for fishing and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, they, they didn't use ships for battle very much, uh, or or if at all, really.
1: Yeah. I don't, um, I don't think they ever – I don't ever remember hearing any Native American fighting on water.
0: No, no. They were mostly – they mostly fought on land. But uh, an interesting thing that they did during shipbuilding was they learned how to – or. An ingenious thing that they did during shipbuilding was they would burn out the logs. So they would burn out a specific section of the log and then they would actually just chuck out all of the ash, which made the building their boats take a lot less time. And it was, uh, it was really cool.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea.
0: Yeah. So they went from hand tools to iron axes and eventually, eventually large industrial pieces. Shipbuilding equipment has had a really long and impressive history. So actually in our shop now, we've amassed a collection of pulleys that were used prior to the First World War to move large metal pieces into the positions at the shipyards.
1: Yep, and those are really neat.
0: They're really, really cool. And like we said before, there's not a lot of these things around because uh, saltwater is not very forgiving.
1: It's not. Not at all. Even but. fresh water is not forgiving, but saltwater – really is not forgiving
0: yeah but if it weren't for all those things we wouldn't be here we wouldn't be here now so you know it's something to be thankful for
1: very true
0: well guys it is uh the end of our time and uh, we want to thank you
1: Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for being with us. So I, I hope you guys find this stuff as interesting as we do.
0: Yeah, you know, it, we really are passionate about it and it obviously, you know, the idea of history and the impact that it has on culture is something that we go off on tangent on, tangents about all the time because it is so impactful and it's so important.
1: Well, it is. <laughs> and there's just so many different rabbit holes you can go down and it's, it's interesting to me, anyway, to kind of see my views of different things versus my son's. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's who, really a blending of our our two our two perspectives based on generations.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because you know, a lot of times how I view things are obviously different than what Aram does, because you know I know people that you know were in these different wars, and I was related to him. I've talked to him. I mean, you know, my aunts, my uncles. Um, you know, family, right. whereas Aaron was too little and he might remember one person or whatever, but he never really had an, a, a relationship with these people. Right. So it's like, a, you know, my, more my,
0: per, my perspective of these people is more, more, uh, surface level because, you know, right. I would, I, I, you know, I, I met all of them, but it wasn't, they weren't, you know, exactly talking to me intimately. They were talking yeah. to me as you would talk to a child.
1: Well, because you were a child. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, it's just kind of, I guess, Different, you know, I like I enjoy kind of hearing his pers- perspective on a lot of things because he's kind of separated away from some of that. Yeah. So and hopefully he enjoys hearing my perspective. Of course I am Not as separated from, you know, a lot of those things.
0: Right. And there's things that I'm closer to than you. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's very it's very exciting and very humbling and I think very insightful for me to listen to you and I'm I'm always happy to do it.
1: Yeah. And hopefully soon we'll be doing one with. Nana. Yay. i for Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. But before then, guys, stay hip.
1: And humble.
0: All right. Bye.
1: Bye.